Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors and their upcoming matchups over the next week from a betting perspective. Before we actually do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. The Betting Barrier Podcast presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs basketball, MLB, NHL, UFC, and boxing. They have it all. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ben and Maria podcast. Before we went break, we previewed what we're going to do for this week's show. Once again, talking about the Warriors and their upcoming games over the next week. But it is going to be an interesting scheduling spot. It's going to be similar to the schedule that we had a couple weeks ago with the King series. Because in theory, there's a maximum of two games left in this Lakers series. But there's also a chance the Lakers win the series in six. And if that's the case, then we only have one game to talk about. So for the sake of this show... We are going to give our normal prediction for Game 6. However, I will automatically include a Game 7 preview if we're automatically assuming Golden State wins Game 6. That's going to be the game plan, and we'll go from there. But before I get into any of the picks for Game 6 and Game 7, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. And a reminder, we took over the series after Game 1. And I personally thought the Lakers would win game one. I mentioned that a couple of times on other podcasts, but I do want to bring that up because for the sake of the recap, we are going to be recapping games two through five and we did insanely well. So to go through the overall games, we swept everything. We had the Warriors to win game two uh, comfortably. We thought they'd blow out the Lakers. We had the Lakers to win game three comfortably. We thought the Lakers would win game four. Thought it would be competitive, but I thought the Lakers would get it done, and they actually pushed. I believe the spread was three in that game. And then for game four, game five, I mean, oh, uh, so yeah, game two, we had the Warriors winning comfortably. Game three, we thought the Lakers would win comfortably. Game four, the Lakers, we thought, would win close. And game five, we thought Golden State would beat the hell out of this team, and they did. So we got everything right, and we even got the totals right. So full sweep on the podcast. Hopefully we'll keep it rolling here for game six and potentially game seven. But I do want to recap what we saw in last night's game. Now, I know I can also go through 
some of the takeaways from game two and game three. To be honest, I'm not going to bother. Uh, that was so long ago. Coaches made adjustments. That doesn't really mean anything to me. So for the sake of recapping, I will recap games four and five just from a takeaway perspective and then transition over into game six and game seven, potentially. So starting off with game four, Golden State should have won the game. Uh, they didn't get much actual scoring from anybody besides Curry for a decent portion of the second half in that game. Uh, you saw Gary Payton II get inserted into the starting lineup. I thought he looked pretty good when he was not leaving the court to vomit. But Curry had 31 points. Uh, nobody else had more than 17. Wiggins had 17, but he missed a couple of really open three-pointers late in that game. And they really could have used them. Clay was useless, uh, went three for 11, three for nine from three, scored nine points. And he also almost single-handedly blew the entire game with those two awful three-point shot selections, uh, which ended up bricking pretty badly. And as a result, Golden State ended up losing the game. You saw Kerr's hand gestures, kind of hands in the air, what the hell are you doing type of look. And Clay basically sold the entire game. Uh, but once again, you had nobody else really step up. Wiggins was good. Uh, Draymond had eight points. I believe he did not attempt a single shot in the fourth quarter. Uh, DiVincenzo was decent off the bench in 15 minutes, gave them 10 points. Moody didn't miss a shot. He was three for three. Poole was useless. Poole played 10 minutes, scored no points. He was really, really bad. And Jermichael Green played two minutes. But that experiment is, has taken its course. We saw him become the surprise X factor for a game or so. That was it. Uh, after that, Jermichael was really bad. And he's basically not going to be used again for the rest of the series. But Golden State had a shot to win it. Nobody could really hit a shot. Even Curry, who had a triple-double with 31 points, still went 12 of 30 from the floor and 3 for 14 from 3. I also hated the shot selection uh, with those two possessions on Anthony Davis. It reminded me a bit of the Kevin Love possession in the NBA Finals, where he has a big on him, and he kept trying to settle for the 3 instead of trying to blow past him like he did for most of the game. And yeah, Curry's shot selection wasn't great, but I really thought the... Clay Thompson shots there in the final couple minutes were especially egregious. And it kind of reminded me of the Nuggets game four loss where Michael Porter Jr. pulls up from this ridiculous transition three and it kind of killed the entire momentum uh, that Denver was trying to have in that comeback attempt. And that's kind of how I felt about that Golden State game. I just thought Clay's shots really, really blew the entire momentum. And the Warriors only scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Lonnie Walker took over and Golden State fell behind 3-1. But to move into game five, I thought Golden State would bury him mostly because of the Lakers' inconsistent effort that we've seen in this playoffs, in these playoffs. And it was the exact same script that we saw in the first round against Memphis. They won game one. They lost game two on the road comfortably, won game three comfortably at home, game four they barely won at home, and then game five I thought they would punt like they did in the Memphis series, and that's what happened. Now they hung around for a little while, like I thought would be the case. Golden State did lead by 11 at the half. They scored 70 points in the first half. The Lakers hung around. It felt like they were constantly within 8 to 10 points, and then Golden State opened it up again, and they won the game by 15 so I'm going to start off with the overall stats, then I'll talk about some of the takeaways with the injuries, etc. But to go through the points here, you had Curry leading the way once again with 27. A bit of a quiet 27. Went 12 of 24 from the floor, 3 for 11 from 3. So I do wish Curry's three-point numbers would kind of go back up because he has been struggling efficiency-wise, but he has been putting up some points. Also had eight assists in that game. Uh, going through everybody else, Wiggins was very good. 
He had 25, 7, and 5, so he was great. 20 of 18 from the floor, 2 for 5 from 3. Besides that, though, you had Draymond, who I thought was the best player on the floor in Game 5. Defensively, he was amazing, and he also had 20 points with 10 rebounds and 4 assists, 2 steals and a block as well, 7 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3. He was very good. Payton the second was very good. He had 13 points. Team high, plus 25 in 27 minutes. And the other takeaway was Clay Thompson, who was once again really, really bad. And I have roasted Clay on this podcast for months. I think he is washed. And I think that he occasionally has a good scoring game once every week and a half, two weeks to convince you that he's still pretty good. But most of the time, he is brutal on the court. Offensively, he's a three-point specialist who's lost his efficiency lately. And defensively, I don't think he's a great defensive player anymore. I think he's quite average. And I think as a result, he's a pretty generic 3 and D guy who is overpaid at this stage in his career. Now, I know in his career, he's an all-time legend for Golden State. He'll get a statue, he'll get a jersey retirement, and he'll end up making the Hall of Fame. But I got to point out the obvious here. Clay has been killing this team, and Golden State has won in spite of him recently, and that needs to change. I think if Golden State needs to win the series, or if they plan on winning the series, they need Clay to at least be mediocre in these games. He can't keep going 3 of 12 and taking some really dumb shots in the fourth quarter because he thinks that he's the guy to deliver the dagger. Just stop it. It's not who you are anymore, except reality, and I feel like that'll help out the team. But I do want to talk about one of the main adjustments that Steve Kerr and the Warriors made in Game 5, which was twofold. One was the pace. I thought Draymond did a great job of pushing the pace the entire game, even off made baskets. He set the tone early, he set the tempo early, which also, once again, is why Golden State scored 70 points in the first half. But I also want to point out that one main adjustment schematically with Steve Kerr was sending a lot of screens to get AD involved in pick and roll, and they wanted AD to cover on the perimeter to expend a lot of energy. And it worked, because AD, we know how good of a rim protector he is. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. AD in Game 5 had zero blocks, and a big reason why, he was barely in the paint, because he was constantly being switched onto Curry or any ball handlers, and that was setting up a lot of off-ball action backdoor, which explains why Golden State, despite giving up a lot of overall size, and based on their overall style of play, tend to shoot a lot of threes, it is why Golden State ended up finishing with 50 points in the paint. It was because AD was away from the basket, and Golden State was able to get downhill, and they didn't get much resistance at the rim, which is why Draymond, for example, had 20 points. But I thought that was a great adjustment by Kerr, and they did experiment with that in Game 4. Then they went away from it in the fourth quarter and brought it back in the final couple of possessions, but I thought Curry was a little bit too passive, and he was focused so much on the three that I really thought he settled for a couple of bad shots. But I expect that to be the offensive game plan moving forward. The Lakers will probably make adjustments. They'll match AD up on other guys. Maybe they'll pre-switch so that way they can try to keep AD in the paint as long as possible. But the point is, bringing AD out away from the paint did wonders for Golden State's offense, which is why the Warriors scored 120-plus points, and I think that's going to be the game plan once again for Game 6. But now we got to talk about the injuries, which really throws a wrinkle into this entire series. So AD, we know, is an extremely fragile player. He's injured all the time. 
He constantly hits the ground, and he takes years to get up. We know this. However, AD was actually having a pretty good game. He had 23 points. He had nine rebounds in 32 minutes, and there were about six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Golden State was going to win the game. I think it's pretty obvious at that point. However, AD got injured. And Looney was going for a rebound. He hit AD in the face. And next thing you know, AD took himself out of the game. Now, at first glance, you thought maybe an eye poke. Maybe he got hit in the eye. And then you see AD getting wheelchaired out of the venue, basically, to get checked on. And they were testing for a concussion. And at first, at first, I thought, you know, it's Anthony Davis. He's definitely... Uh, I'm not surprised, let's put it that way. If I would not be surprised if AD was in a wheelchair and then suddenly he was healthy about 10 minutes later. And that's exactly what happened. AD turned out to be fine. There was no concussion. And I'm not surprised that AD, who is one of the most dramatic players when it comes to injuries, turned out to be relatively fine. Now, there is a chance he wakes up either Thursday morning or Friday morning and maybe he has some symptoms, maybe a concussion here or there, but it seems like he's fine, and I believe he walked out of the venue after he was being checked on for about an hour or so behind closed doors, but AD got injured, which is the main storyline for the media, and now there's questions if AD's going to play. I'm assuming he's going to. I'm not sure how well, so mentally, maybe he won't be fully engaged because he is kind of overdue for a lackluster performance, but that is the main storyline. However, the underrated storyline, which people are not talking about, is the fact that LeBron tweaked his foot in the fourth quarter as well. And it seemed like he landed awkwardly on it. And if you were watching the last couple of minutes there where he was in the game before he got pulled in garbage time, he was moving pretty gingerly around the court. It seemed like he wasn't really that explosive. I know he had a putback dunk, I believe. Uh, but for the most part, it seemed like he really couldn't move that smoothly. And yes, you could argue, you know, LeBron was conserving energy because the game was over. That could be true, too. But keep an eye on that LeBron injury. We know he rushed back from injury in the first place. It could be why his efficiency from either behind the arc or in general has been a little bit underwhelming so far this postseason. But the point is, AD is the main focal point for a lot of people. But keep an eye on that LeBron injury because LeBron and AD got banged up in basically garbage time. And I wonder if that's going to end up resulting in a problem for them in the rest of the series, especially with Golden State wanting to play fast and AD and LeBron might be unable to to get back court to get back uh down court to play defense and that might be a concern for game six but anyway i've stalled long enough uh i don't really have any other takeaways for the lakers i thought lebron was fine shot the ball decently from three 25 points nine rebounds uh ended up going three of seven from three nine of 17 from the floor russell was fine went six for ten reeves was fine went five for eleven uh davis once again 10 of 18 got injured Besides that, Schroeder, I thought, was pretty good. He had 14 points, and that was basically it. As for Golden State, I didn't mention it, but Jordan Poole was, once again, not great, but he was better than the goose egg he put up in Game 4. He went 5 for 14, 1 for 6 from 3, did finish with 11 points. So I thought Poole was not very good in this game, but the bar was set so low that it was an upgrade, but he still doesn't look great. And Golden State's bench has been a little bit hit or miss so far in the series. Looney had four points. Kaminga had five points in two minutes in garbage time. So you're looking at Golden State's bench before garbage time, and you had roughly, I'm trying to think, this pool scored in garbage time. So Golden State, I believe, had, I'm doing the math in my head here, uh, nine, 
13. They had roughly uh, 19 points off the bench in this game uh, before garbage time, which I guess isn't that bad in theory. But Poole, once again, he was tolerable for this game. They got to keep it that way because defensively, he still can't guard anybody. And he won one for six from three, five for 14 from three, uh, five, for four, five for 14 from the floor. Why the hell is Jordan Poole taking 14 shots in 23 minutes? That's a better question to ask, but we'll see how it goes for game six. But anyway, time to get into the actual odds for this game. You have the Lakers favored by two and a half. It was one, and then AD turned out to be okay, so the line moved back to two and a half. The money line is minus 135. Warriors are around plus 115 the other way, plus 120. Golden State plus two and a half is around minus 110. And the over-under is 223 and a half, minus 110 on both sides. So for this series, since I've gotten every game right so far, I did have the Lakers in six going into the series. However, the injuries don't... The injuries really do throw a wrinkle into things. And I had a serious question going into game five, since I don't think anybody gave the Lakers a realistic chance to win game five. I questioned how Darvin Ham would manage the minutes of the star players for the team. Now, yes, you could argue, well, what about Russell and Reeves? I don't care. They're healthier, they're younger. The main two players that matter are the older and potentially injured superstars in LeBron and Anthony Davis, because I figured. The Warriors would probably win game five by double digits. I thought they'd be up by 15 halfway through the fourth quarter, and you could potentially rest your guys early, hold the L, and move on to game six. Ham didn't really do that. Now, Anthony Davis only played 32 minutes because of fluke circumstances. He got injured, and once again, we'll see what his status is or how he's going to look going into game six. But the point is, it seemed like Davis was going to play 35 minutes or so. And then he got hurt in basically garbage time, which you can argue is why Ham should have pulled everyone. Then you had LeBron, and I don't understand the LeBron minutes at all. So LeBron played for pretty much the entire fourth quarter, got pulled with the rest of the starters at about the three and a half minute mark or so. And AD got injured, and the Warriors are up double digits. Game's over. There's no chance the Lakers are going to win the game. And LeBron stayed in the game for another three minutes. LeBron played 39 minutes on a potentially compromised leg which he, you know, pre potentially prematurely came back from injury from in the first place. But then he tweaked something, and Ham kept him in the game for a couple of minutes in basically garbage time with a potentially injured leg. I thought it was really a bad job by Ham of limiting the minutes, and I bring it up because once again, Game 5 was obviously on Wednesday. Game 6 is Friday. LeBron is older, and once again, he might have an injured leg, and AD, you don't know what his story is. I question the energy that both guys are going to have with one day off facing off against the Golden State team that wants to push the pace and they really want to exploit any type of weakness with transition defense. And I think that could be a problem in this game. So initially, I had the Lakers in game six. I was expecting a great defensive effort, which we've seen at home, especially for the Lakers in this postseason run. However, the more I'm looking at this matchup, the more I'm leaning to Golden State. And I just feel like with the injuries to AD and LeBron, I wonder how sharp they're going to look. I will dare the supporting cast to make enough shots. I will dare Lonnie Walker to have another 20 or another 15 point game. But I do think that with AD being questionable, even if he plays, I do think that the Warriors found something to take away from his rim protection and that could definitely result in a good offensive game plan for the Warriors here 
But once again, in order to beat the champ, in order to be the champions, you got to beat the champions. The Warriors have been here before. We know that in Game Seven against Sacramento, they took advantage of a shaken team. They sense blood in the water and they capitalize. And I do think that we have yet to see a Curry masterpiece. We saw a thirty-point triple-double with inefficient shooting. I think Curry could potentially go for thirty-five in this game. Maybe Game Six Clay shows up. I hate that nickname, though, because he hasn't been great in a game six in a while. But I do think that the Warriors have enough firepower to beat the Lakers, a compromised Lakers team health-wise, in this road game. And the supporting cast, let's just say LeBron and AD combine for 45 points. I think it's pretty reasonable. Uh, both guys are a bit injured. AD, you never know when he's going to have another bad game where he's not exactly mentally into the game. Let's say they score 48. How many points do you actually trust the Lakers supporting cast to give you? Because Russell and Reeves each gave you 15. Schroeder gave you 14. And no other player on the entire team gave you more than four points. So I don't trust the supporting cast enough for the Lakers if AD and LeBron give you less than 50. And I do think the Warriors can really capitalize and transition and get some free baskets. We know Wiggins is a great athlete. Draymond, for a guy his size, is underratedly athletic, which is why he's been so good defensively his entire career. But Peyton, the second wants to run. Curry wants to run. Even the bench unit with Poole and DiVincenzo and everybody, they want to run too. I do think Golden State can get contributions from Wiggins and company. I think I am going to link to Golden State here. I think I am going to switch. I'm going to join the Instagram and social media Corgi, who's gotten every game right in the series as well, who has the Warriors coming back from 3-1 to win the series in seven. I think it's starting to look that way. I do think with the injury concerns and the only and the one day of rest, the Lakers might come out really flat offensively. And assuming the Warriors don't completely fall apart offensively in the fourth quarter, like they did in game four, I think it's winnable. So I'm going to take Golden State. I think they'll find a way to get it done. I do like the under in this game. I think the main adjustment the Warriors are going to have to deal with for the Lakers, I think they'll do a better job of trying to prevent AD from getting switched out early in the shot clock. And I think they're going to try to pre-switch where they will switch early when they're going to be setting screens uh, for pick and rolls. So that way AD is delayed to get involved into the action, which gives him a little extra half second or maybe a couple seconds of rim protection. But I do think the Warriors have a decent amount of weapons, and I do think that they will be able to score some points. However, the Lakers' half-court defense has still been pretty solid in general in this overall playoff run, especially at home. So I am expecting the Lakers to play a lot slower, and I do think they will have some good moments defensively in this game. Offensively, though, the Lakers I'm still not impressed by because with the exception of one all right, I should say game one, they were sharp. Uh, the Warriors weren't great defensively, and they also gave a bunch of free throws, and they had no paint presence whatsoever, so the Lakers got a bunch of free dunks. But from that point forward, the Lakers have scored less than 105 points in four of the last five, sorry, less than 107 points in four of the last five games. So offensively, not great. I'm going to take the under. I think that the Lakers will try whatever they can to slow the pace I know the Lakers this season have wanted to also play a bit quicker. I think they have to play in the half court. If they try to play 
up and down with potentially an injured AD and LeBron is not going to go well. I think they have to limit the possessions. They got to limit the transition opportunities. And I do think as a result, you will see a bit of a rock fight, a similar story to what happened in game four, but I will lean to the Lakers to lose this one as opposed to winning game four. Uh, but I want to look at the fast break points. It was relatively even between these teams in game five, but the Warriors want to play fast anyway. And we've seen the Warriors in the half court struggle at times. So I do think that that will be the game plan for the Lakers, but I will lean to the Warriors to win the game, and I will lean to the under in this spot. Now, for Game 7, it's really difficult to guess what the line's going to be. The line was 7.5 for Game 5 solely because it was a must-win game for the Warriors, and they expected the Lakers to lay an egg like they did in Game 5 against Memphis, and we got that exact same script. So I'm not going to try to guesstimate what the spread is going to be based off of what the spread was for Game 5. I think Golden State will obviously be favored, but I think they'll be favored by around 4. I think 4 sounds right, maybe 4.5, especially if AD and LeBron look a bit shaky in Game 6. But I am going to lean to the Warriors in Game 7. I think that with the home crowd, and once again with the Lakers struggling a bit with their consistency offensively, and with the Lakers really struggling to get back on defense and transition with LeBron and AD not being great transition defenders at this point in their careers, I do think there's a lot of holes for the Warriors to exploit with this Lakers team. And yes, maybe you get a Lonnie Walker game, or maybe you get a D'Angelo Russell game, or a Reeves game, or a Hachimura game. Maybe somebody steps up and gives them a 15 to 20 point performance. But I do have question marks with the overall I'd say just actions that the Lakers run. It's a lot of really ugly half-court offense, and the late and the Warriors with Draymond's intensity yesterday were really good defensively, uh, and I do think that the Warriors have a good chance to win the series. Now, if you're asking me what my actual percentage is for the Warriors to win the series, going into Game 5, which I thought the Warriors would win, but the Lakers up 3-1. I gave them, I'd say, a 60% chance to win the series, and I thought they would probably win it in six. Now with the injuries to LeBron and AD, I really think the series is closer to like 50-50. It really feels that way. And yes, you could argue the Lakers at home are still, you know, the team to beat, and they've been that good at the Crypto Center. So maybe you could argue like 55%. But once again, those injuries really throw a wrinkle into everything, especially when LeBron and AD are your most reliable offensive options. And now each of them might be battling something in terms of health. I do think it's a 50-50 series. So I'm going to lean to Golden State in Game 6. I'm going to lean to Golden State in Game 7. As for the totals, I'm going to take the under in Game 6. And Game 7, I'm assuming the total will be lower than Game 6. So I'm assuming it'll be around 220.5 if I had to guess. I think I'm going to lean to the under in that game as well. Game 7's tend to trend under because of overall defensive intensity, and you tend to see referees swallow their whistle a bit more. I'm going to lean to the under in both games, and I'll lean to Golden State in both games. That's going to wrap it up, though, for the Ben and Mary podcast for next week. It depends on what happens with Golden State. If they win the series, they win Game 6 and Game 7, then obviously we'll be back for the Western Conference Finals to preview their matchup against either the Suns or the Nuggets. Probably the Nuggets, if I had to guess. But if they lose to the Lakers in Game 6 or Game 7, we will do probably a season recap, and then we'll end up gutting into baseball season in the following weeks. 
even though the Giants and the A's, the A's, I'm not going to bother. I mean, damn, that team's an embarrassment and they're probably going to move to Vegas. The Giants are bad too. So it might be a bit of a painful baseball season, but we'll go from there. But hopefully the Warriors win and we get to keep talking basketball for a few more weeks. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.